wrapping the thin, almost translucent veil between that of fact and fiction, revealing mysteries of the past, folklore passed down from father to son, unsolved murders, and things that go bump in the night. You've entered Deceptive Reality. Hello and welcome once again to the Deceptive Reality Podcast. My name is Nick and this is Bert. We have a crazy one for everyone today. I'm super excited. I can't even begin to tell you how excited I am. I've been sitting on this, Nick, for a month. 30 days. Well, think of this. You've been sitting on it. I've had to wait to figure out what it is all this time. <laughs> what You've you don't been know, tormenting Nick. me. I don't what know. You, what you don't know, Nick, what you don't know is I slipped one time and said what it was about. And I caught myself. I said the first part of it. And then I stopped. Uh, but but I couldn't stop all the way because I'm like, he's totally going to know what this is about. So I tried to play it off and you didn't seem to catch on. Nope. Completely oblivious, I promise. This like the rest crazy. of my life. I was surprised because it's from Ohio. Y'all are going to know what it is in a second. Don't tune away. It's from Ohio. I knew about this story to give you an idea of how big this, this story is, Nick. Mm-hmm. Unsolved Mysteries has not covered it once. But twice. Really? Twice? Yes. Two times. Wow. They've covered it twice. I looked at... I looked at podcasts. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts on this because I wanted to see, is there anything I missed? And surprisingly enough, most podcasts has information wrong. And it's not, I don't think it's their fault. I don't think it's all their fault because there's a lot of things that are not known in this. The only way that I got all my answers, I went straight to the police reports. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'm going to let the narrator tell you what it is, and then we're going to dive right in. All right. There's a lot of pressure because unlike the other podcast, we've got to solve this. Tonight on Deceptive Reality, we delve into a chilling tale that has haunted a small town for decades. Picture a quaint town in the heartland of America, Circleville, Ohio. Known for its annual pumpkin show, this town of around 14,000 people was the epitome of small town charm and tranquility. But beneath the surface, a sinister secret was about to unravel. In the summer of 1976, the peace was shattered when residents began receiving anonymous letters. These were not ordinary letters. They were laced with personal information, accusations, and threats that would turn neighbor against neighbor. The letters contained a litany of allegations, from embezzlement to domestic violence, affairs, and even murder. The accusations were shocking, the threats terrifying, and the intimate knowledge of the recipients' lives suggested the writer was someone living among them. The tranquility of Circleville was forever tarnished. The town that once harbored little more than small-town gossip was now the epicenter of a mystery that would captivate the nation. The infamous Circleville letters had begun. Oh yeah, okay. I have heard a similar story. Okay. And I'm wondering if it's this one. But the one I heard was circled around one house that everyone who moved into it started getting letters that knew them intimately. I I know the story you're talking about. This is different. Okay. Okay. This one, I believe this one is different. I, I think it probably is because that one wasn't a whole town. 
I'm hooked already because this sounds like a truly evil individual with a little bit of mischief, which I like. Here's the thing, Nick. This is where it's going to blow your mind. This thing is going to take twists and turns. The moment you think you know what's going on, bam, it stops you. It stops you instantly, Nick. So I'm glad you brought your notepad. Everyone, Nick brought a notepad because I said you're going to need one today, brother. You got yeah, need I've already drawn a picture on it, um, but I'm also <laughs> taking notes. So he's drawing a picture of of uh, of the letter writer. Yeah, because that's I'm, all I'm you've got right now. Profile. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's he, the he's thing. got hands. I know that. <laughs> he at least has a pen. At least. At least a pen and at least one hand. Now here's what I can tell you, Nick. Circleville is not very far from me. It's like 40 minutes away. Okay. One podcast got this thing dead on. They hit everything that I hit, but I think they messed up one thing. But I, I got it all right, Nick. Police reports. Is this one thing crucial? Is it super crucial? No, Uh, it's not. Every bit's crucial. Technically, yes. If you want to know who did it, every single piece is technically crucial. Now, here's the thing. As this goes on, the way Unsolved Mysteries did this, they did it based on one person only, and I'm not I'm not following that same narrative all the way. Because right. because I want I want the entire story to come out if that makes sense. And on top of that, this is still a mystery to this day. So if anyone has information, if you're watching this and you know something that we didn't cover, Hit us up. If you have something, I'll provide it. I'll provide it to the authorities in Circleville, and I'll say it's from our podcast. You don't even have to say your name unless you want credit for Anonymous. it. Anonymous. If you want credit for it, still tell me because I want to know. <laughs> so the beauty of the, the Circleville letters, I think Unsolved Mysteries called it the poison pin letters, I believe is what they called it. Poison pin letters? Yes, poison pen letters. Now, Circleville's not very big, Nick. It definitely wasn't back then. So, again, this is a story where kind of everyone knows everybody. Um, but I can't wait anymore, Nick. I got to get you started in this story. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm so excited. Let's go. As the summer of 1976 dawned in Circleville, Ohio, the residents were blissfully unaware of the storm that was about to hit their peaceful town. The tranquility of this close-knit community was shattered when residents began receiving anonymous letters which would span over 1,000 letters sent and over the course of 20 years. These were not ordinary letters. They were poison pen letters filled with intimate details, accusations, and threats that would turn this quiet town upside down. The accusations were shocking, the threats terrifying, and the intimate knowledge of the recipients' lives suggested the writer was someone living among them. The first known target, Gordon Massey. His letter stated, Dear Sir, according to my girlfriend, you have asked her to go out many times and have asked the other female bus drivers too. Due to your position and their jobs with you, you should not do this. This must stop at once for the good of the school and families. If they are not stopped, I will be forced to write to the school board. I'd hate to do that. To prey on another man's girl is untouchable, especially when they are out there trying to make a living. There is also talk of you dating a married woman and taking advantage of them. Do you need time and names again? Please think. 
I suggest you find yourself a pimple-faced whore and start up with her and leave my girls alone. The letter was unnerving, to say the least. Whoever penned it knew intimate details about Gordon Massey's personal life and his alleged affairs with female bus drivers. The threats were real, and the writer seemed determined to expose and destroy lives. Hmm. Gordon, he's been up to no good. Gordon, according to these letters, are up to no good, Nick. So, when we're talking bus drivers, and you may not know this, is this school bus drivers, or is this, like, town bus drivers? I know too much about this story right now, Nick. I've researched this for 30 days, at least. Oh, wow. So I didn't want to go directly into the story because I was going to cover that actually right here because I knew that question was going to come up. Mm -hmm. So what happened is in in Circleville, Ohio, I'm not going to drop the name of the schools or anything like that because that's weird. A lot of podcasts did that. I don't really see the point in doing that. It it doesn't add to the story. But anyway. Yeah, I I just need general information because I'm figuring this out right now, you see. For sure, 100%. You guys, you're a detective, Nick. (laughs) I'm going to give you the who, what, when, where, and how. All right. I need it. So they have a school, obviously, in this town. There's a lady that we're going to be talking about very shortly. She was a school bus driver, and Gordon Massey was over everything. He was like the school's superintendent. Right. So he was kind of a big wig. Um, or maybe he was like a principal, principal superintendent. I've heard multiple different theories, but I think he's like over everyone. He's over all the bus driver stuff like that. Um, where this becomes what I consider interesting is if you listen to that part and you're going to, if you didn't write this down, Mm -hmm. the letter said, my girlfriend. says that you've asked her out. Mm -hmm. You're also dating this, you know, married woman. Right. So you got to remember this is 1970s, right? So Mm -hmm. again, no cell phones. Okay. No pagers Mm -hmm. back then. This is literally wall phones, right? This goes back to our last two stories. To know that kind of intimate detail, again, this is a small town, had to be someone on the inside, Nick, that was a part of the school. Right. So let me give you a couple of my impressions so far. Yes. One, and I'm probably going to end up being wrong later, I don't think any of the bus drivers were actually his girlfriend. Okay. I think that this is some obsessive guy who is imagined a relationship with this woman. But also one of the other clues is he said later, and maybe this was just the narration. He didn't say my girl. He said, my girls. He did say that. That is correct. So this seems like an obsessive character that invents relationships and he's taking on the role of a protector a big man behind the pen. So that's my impression so far. Although Gordon's no saint either, but Gordon is no saint. Also, just for the record, the narration on this ran so long. I did take out a lot of things, but we're going to cover that. Obviously, obviously as we go. Right. Um, 
The next part of this narration, and this is, I'm going to fill in some of the blanks so the narrator didn't have to do it, okay? Okay. They sent this letter to Gordon Massey. Right. Three days later. Now, what did he say? I'd hate to take this to the school board. Right. But if I have to, three days later, the school the school board got a letter. Putting Gordon Massey on blast and a school bus driver. And they gave the bus number that she was driving for. Mm. <laughs> so this was all part of the plan. One can only assume. But here's the here's the amazing part for me. Mm-hmm. I'm don't do this anymore because I'd hate to tell I'd hate to tell the school district three days later. So that means for them to get it back then, even if I would have mailed something from my house and it was going next door, it would have to go to a hub and then come back. That's at least two days. Right. Now I wonder if he didn't drop it in a mailbox himself. Oh yeah. That's no, all, every single one of these were mailed. Every single letter was mailed oh, over okay. a thousand through letters. through the post. So he'd already years done worth it. Of letters. Yes. He would have had to have already done that. So when he dropped Gordon's the right. very next day at a minimum, he would have had to have dropped the letter to the school board. Right. So this has already taken kind of a whirlwind of thought. This is why it's so deep, Nick, and it's starting out is so thick and it doesn't get any easier from here. Yeah, well, he's almost got a double victim now because it seems like he did specifically want to implicate that lady. That is true, which we're going to hear about next. But before I go to that, Nick, the only reason that I believe we know about these letters, period, mm-hmm. is what happens next. All but right. That being said, we don't know if this person has sent letters to other people accusing them of things we have no clue right because who's going to come forward and and air out their dirty laundry so to speak right let's say somebody knew that you robbed a bank nick right and they sent you a letter would you go to the cops and go listen i got this letter anonymously from someone here in town i'm assuming that knows i robbed a bank yeah yeah i I don't think i'd do that or or even something innocuous like my personal business i'm still not going to because it's like carrying a letter to the cop saying, yes, I did this untowards thing. This is proof. So. Because you got to remember, this is 1970s. Because it's a yeah. different time and, and era also, Nick. Like, having an affair uh, nowadays is not great. Having an affair back then, way worse. Oh, yeah. Way Earth worse. shattering. Earth shattering. I mean, that's splitting up families. That's destroying uh, careers like if someone found mm-hmm. out you had an affair back then good luck finding a job and this is a small town nick oh yeah you got to move so so if they have this kind of information on these two people we don't know what letters they sent and i doubt there'd be anyone coming forward going you know what i got this letter only because of these next few series of events that we even found out about this story yeah maybe we only know about like 10 percent or five percent even well between these two subjects, right? The Massey and then the next person we're about to cover Mm -hmm. over 1000 letters was sent just based on those two. Oh, wow. Okay. That's all right. Yeah. Bring it on. I need more. I need more. (laughs) Here you go, Nick. 
The case of the Circleville letters continued to escalate, affecting more lives as the sinister writer extended their reach. The peace and trust within the community shattered as neighbors turned suspicious eyes on one another. In the crosshairs of this anonymous tormentor was a school bus driver named Mary Gillespie. One day, Mary went out to her mailbox. Inside, she found an envelope with no return address. She opened it to find a letter written in distinct handwriting. The letter was anonymous, but its message was clear and threatening. Mrs. Gillespie, stay away from Massey. I've been observing your house and I know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it seriously. Everyone concerned has been notified. It will be over soon. The letter was referring to Gordon Massey, the school superintendent, with whom Mary was accused of having an affair. The letter was a clear warning to Mary, indicating that the writer was observing her and knew about her personal life, including her children. The letter also suggested that others had been informed about the alleged affair, adding an element of public shame and humiliation to the threat. So on your screen, I've put the actual letter. This is the actual letter. Well, it's not the actual letter. It's a copy of the exact letter right. that was sent to Mary. What's your first thoughts? When you look at it, forget everything that the narrator just said. Look at the letter and tell me what's the first thing you, you think. The very first thing I think? Very first thing you think. Um. Well, let me test something first. Mm-hmm. Well, my first note of notice is I think it's a left-handed person to start off with. Because I'm looking at my notes and I'm looking at that. It's got the same slant to it. Also, I don't think this is an adult, to be honest. Why would you think that? Um, They're using the dashes in a way that I've seen um, younger people use them when they need to switch lines, which isn't how you normally do that as an adult. So I'm um, glad you said that, Nick. I'm glad you said okay, that. Okay, okay. I've this triggered paper, an event. Yes, the paper that this is wrote on, and I don't know in Canada if this was a big thing. Here in the States, when I was a kid, we used to have paper that was more like thin cardboard paper. There right. was a pink line and then two blue lines. And when you would first start writing letters, you would have to put the entire letter in those two spots. Right. Every single letter wrote, correction, 80% of the letters wrote is this format. Yep. Yep. Now, think it's, about it. Where do they know this information? School. She's a school bus driver. He's a superintendent. You wouldn't buy this paper in a store back then, typically. But you know where right. you find this paper? At the school. In a school. No one has talked about this, Nick. In any of the podcasts I'm listening to, when I was a kid, could you get this paper in a store? Yeah, but most people's not going to buy this paper, right? They're going to buy the regular stationary paper back then. This was used within paper that I can only assume came from the school. Yep. Now, when I first saw uh, this, because the, and I'm going to put this up on our Instagram so you can take a look at it too. If you don't know anything about this, which reminds me 
I've talked to people about this case without telling them this is what my next podcast is about. One mm-hmm. out of maybe 25 people knew this case. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, this is a great story. But the reason I know this is from the school. Sorry, I totally got sidetracked there. I, I just, that just came right to me, Nick. But the reason I know what kind of paper this is is because they said it was a pink lined paper that then had the two lines after it, which is the same thing that the schools had. Yeah. But no it, one's it's, mentioned It's definitely that. a younger person. And look at the care they put. Like, see the everyone on the second from bottom line? Yes. The V is done exactly as the U's are. But if we go up higher, uh, two lines above that, we've got a regular V. So they're being very careful to write specifically in the spaces provided. It's slanted in the way a left-handed person does. Um, There's excessive use of punctuation where it doesn't belong. Like, look at the two dots all over the place. Um, Hyphens in the wrong places. Uh, The first about... Look at the A on that. Yep. And look at every other A. But think about it. If they didn't want to get caught by the police, Nick, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to try to hide their printing. But And this would be the most generic way to do it. They're going basically rudimentary. And again, if you guys have not seen this this letter, go to our Instagram. Okay. I want you to go look at these letters. If if anything, you need to at least look at one letter so you can understand exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think younger person. I'm going to go. I will guarantee this is a left-handed person. See, I didn't think about that, Nick. So you're already bringing something to it that I didn't even think about. And no one else has brought this up either. Well, I'm looking at my own notes. See, that would have probably been valuable, Nick. Calling the cops. I would call right, the Nick. cops. No, this was a left-hander. Yep, I know my own. So the narration, Nick, obviously, it went into now Mary's a part of the the, the show, right? Mm-hmm. She's sitting at home. She goes to the mailbox. She now has this letter. So what the narration didn't say is Gordon Massey got his letter. Mm-hmm. Three days later, the school district got their letter. Two days later, she got her letter. Right. Now, she's at home with her kids. Doubtful she's got a boyfriend. She's That married. is writing these letters. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I see what so you're saying. So here's the obsessive personality again, imagining relationships, blackmailing her, trying to get her to behave. Oh. So, so you're thinking the husband's trying to get her to behave? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, nope, it's someone, the the quote unquote boyfriend, okay, is trying to get her to behave because he's imagined a relationship with her, and he and doesn't want her. Yeah, doesn't want her and Gordon Massey. That's competition for him. Gotcha. The other thing, the the other reason I know the podcasters, I don't know where they got their information. Most of them, mm-hmm. the reason that I know that they did not watch the unsolved mysteries, which why did you not watch the unsolved mysteries? Right. Right. CBS did this 48 hours did this show. 
the lady's name is Mary Gillespie. Okay. They kept calling her Mary Gillespie. Gillespie. Because it's That's spelled. Funny. It's spelled, if you look, G-I-L-L-I-S-P-I-E. But it's Mary Gillespie, which it was correct oh. in CBS and Unsolved Mysteries and all those. So, so I guessed from the narration because I've seen similar names before. I put G I L L E S P I E. Is that you were you were close? Oh, uh, did I put too many L's? Uh, it's G I L L I S P I E. Oh yeah, that's what you put. Oh, an e oh I had an e. Oh darn, yep. so close. You were so close. So close. Um, right, but also in the letter. Obviously, it says, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. Mm. So now it makes me wonder, well, how do you know she's lying about meeting him? And who does she talk to about meeting him? Right. And wouldn't it be natural for a bus driver to meet the principal or superintendent sometimes? Or are we supposed to take a double meaning from this? Well, and I find it funny. I know where you live. No joke. You sent me a letter. Yeah. (laughs) You clearly know where I live. (laughs) I've been observing your house. Must have a little idea. Oh, for sure. But here's the creepy part. I've been observing your house and know you have children. As a parent, could you imagine how terrifying that would be? The fact that they mention it alone is a bit of a threat in itself. Correct. In my opinion, every one of these is threats because right. even, even, uh, Ron, right. He's like, I don't want to go to the superintendent again, even as a guy, you're having an affair, especially with an employee in your own school. Mm. You're done. Like your career is yeah. done. Oh, especially but at they, a school. They take that so seriously. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but the interesting thing is she didn't she didn't come right out and tell her husband right away. Hmm. Yeah, I'm that wondering seems what a bit his, odd. Yeah, what's his well, probably truth behind this. Or he doesn't she doesn't want him to think there's truth behind it. One of those two. Here's here's what I'm thinking, Nick. If someone would have sent mm-hmm. me a letter and I knew it was not true. And I checked the mail, even if I thought there was an inkling of an idea. Because this person's crazy. They say they're outside the house. Wouldn't you want your spouse to know that someone's outside your house if there's no truth to it? Right, right, definitely. Now, if there's truth to it, then you do this game of weighing which one is more dangerous. Yeah. The husband finding out or the stalker that's outside the house because they know she has children. Right. But, but here's the other weird thing, Nick, if you think about it in the letter, it says, I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. If it was someone at the school, right. Does she not talk about her kids at school? Maybe not. Maybe it's someone she meets throughout her job, you know, could be like but why would he have another paper class? From school? Could be another class that she doesn't teach. She's a school bus driver. She doesn't teach anything. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. On the bus, she wouldn't be talking about it necessarily. She'd just be yelling, sit down, stop pulling their hair and all that stuff like that. Here's the thing, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these, this is a small town. Everyone talks to everyone, right? Even when I started a new job, I knew who had kids and who didn't first day. Right. Uh, I think the purpose of mentioning the children in this is a is a veiled threat. It is a thousand percent, yeah. thousand percent. I just find it odd that they brought that up. Also, but, pointing out they don't know how to make G's. <laughs> Valid. They do not know how to make a G. Yeah, oh, everything else man. is reasonable. Those G's suck. If you're listening, your G's suck. After receiving the first letter, Mary was understandably shaken. However, she chose not to take immediate action. The letter was unsigned, there were no witnesses to any affair, and she didn't know who could be sending them. So, she decided to ignore it. But as the letters continued to arrive, each one more threatening than the last, Mary could no longer ignore them. She shared them with her husband, Ron Gillespie. Together, they tried to figure out who might be behind these disturbing messages. They even had a suspect in mind, a man from the school bus depot where Mary worked. This man had previously shown an interest in Mary, which she had not reciprocated. Mary and Ron began to suspect that they were being written by David Longberry, a fellow bus driver who worked with Mary. David had reportedly made an unwanted advance towards Mary, which she had rejected. Given the intimate knowledge the letter writer seemed to have about Mary's life and the personal nature of the accusations, they believed that David might be the one sending the letters out of spite or jealousy. In an attempt to put an end to the letters, Ron wrote to David, telling him they knew he was the letter writer and asking him to stop. For a while, it seemed like their problem was solved. <laughs> Nick. Right. Now, here's the thing. This narration, I went with what I know for sure. Right. Right. All these narrations I do right down the center of what's known. There is multiple stories that the only reason that Mary told Ron was because Ron got his own letter. Right. But we, we don't now have I, that. I can't prove that. I don't have that okay. letter, but multiple stories said the way that it happened, she got her letter. She didn't tell anyone, which I find it odd. If she's the only thing I can think is, dang it. I should have looked this up. I don't know when this letter came. So if school would have been out, why wouldn't she go to Gordon hmm. and say, hey, Gordon, I got this letter because supposedly if that's who they're saying she's having an affair with, wouldn't, wouldn't she eat, whether it's true or not, wouldn't she, wouldn't she at least go to him and go, hey, I got this weird letter. Have you gotten anything? Yeah, I sure would. Like, e- even I if would. it's not true. Correct. Like, but the rumor is Ron got his letter two days after the first letter went to Mary and right. it said, I don't want to do this, but I think it's only fair that your wife or, you know, that your wife is having an affair with a man named Gordon mm. and Gordon is a superintendent or principal or whatever he was at the school. Just thought that you should know. And supposedly, Ron went back to Mary and was like, 
what is going on here? I just got this letter. And then she confessed to having the other letters. Right. Because at that this point, she technically had two. She had this one and another letter came the next day. Oh, so these were again posted one after each other. This guy's not even waiting. He's for not reactions. even waiting. They're literally going plan. back to back to back. Yes. Yeah, he's he's got a plan in motion. That's he what he does it have seems. a plan in motion. Now uh, the so, interesting above and beyond that, Nick. I hate to cut you off, sorry. No, that's all right. These letters are coming back to back. Let's say let's say the other part's not true about Gordon getting his letter, whatever. She divulged that information to him. They came up with this concept of, hey, I bet I know who it is. It's David. What do they do? Instead of confronting him face-to-face, they send him a letter, Nick. Right, right. Which, in a small town, especially at that time, that seems a little odd in and of itself, doesn't it? It seems very odd. Like, if someone said, hey, your wife is doing X, Y, and Z, or my wife came to me and said, hey, this isn't true. I have these letters, okay? Right. Someone wrote it to me, but I think it's David. I'm not. I'm driving to David's house like, hey, yeah. bro, what are you doing? Exactly. This is the 70s. Confrontation in the 70s was happening all the time, Nick. Oh, they love that stuff. They love They loved it. Every movie was a tough guy. It blows my mind that they're doing the thing that, and they don't even know for sure it's him. Right. But the letters did stop. Well, now, before we go on to that part, I can think of one reason if I was Ron... And Mary, why I'd want to send a letter to David. I want to hear it, Nick. I want him to send me one back in response. Hear his story and then look at the writing and see if I can make any kind of comparisons. But they're all this blocky style. Yeah. Every letter so far has been this blocky style. What's the letter come back on? Is it this paper? But yes. you can tell All, a lot from the blocky style, too, though. A, a, a ton of these letters was done on this paper. Right. Now, that being said, and it's not really covered by narration, mm-hmm. he also wrote it on Christmas cards. Oh, okay. Uh, other little posty kind of like the mail tab things. Mm-hmm. He's wrote on the back of those and sent those postcards. So it's not all just this letter type, but there was right. a bulk in the beginning of these letters like that. Okay. And I know you're not going to know this. David, left-handed? I do not know. I wish, I wish that this would have been addressed differently based on that question. Right. Because it would have opened up a few things that I think would have answered some questions. And I, because I didn't think of that, I kind of want to go back and see if anyone else has came up with that concept and idea. I can tell you nowhere in the podcast that you're the first person, Nick. This brought I that am up. the first. And you're right. Great. Detective. You are right. That is a hundred percent dead on. Cause I'm I like didn't even, Batman, I didn't even know? see that. You kind of are like Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, you, if you have on? 
Uh, well, I just want to say, if you have mannerisms, mm-hmm. you're more likely to notice them in other people. And That's I just true. can't picture a right-handed person slanting that direction as well, they're writing. The first thing I saw when I when I saw this, Nick, was someone who was trying to be hidden. Right. Like, they don't want to be known who they are. They want to disguise their writing. Yeah. And they did a good job by doing this blocky style. Like when you have to do it exactly like they do in elementary school back then. Mm-hmm. No one's going to know who sent that. No, but there's certain parts where you see that they, they forgot a little bit what they were doing and they slipped out of the pattern and then back in. Oh, for sure. So, what but if, I am ready though, for more. Sorry. What if though, Nick, before we jump ahead, what yeah. if they deliberately were right-handed but wrote left-handed to throw them off. I think that that would be genius. It would be I genius. don't believe it. I don't believe it. <laughs> because the rest of this doesn't say genius to me, unless they've thought of everything. That is true. All right, Nick. We're we're about to dig. I can't wait to get to one part of the story. It's, it's killing me because I want you to hear it so bad. All Let's right, go. Right. But the peace was short-lived. The letters started again, more threatening than before. And this time, they were not limited to the Gillespie family. Letters started appearing in mailboxes all over Circleville, accusing various residents of moral indiscretions and criminal activities. Then, on a fateful day, August 19, 1977, the situation took a tragic and deadly turn. Ron was at home when the phone rang. The voice on the other end seemed to suggest that the letter writer was watching the house. The implication was chilling. The anonymous tormentor was close, perhaps too close. Enraged and likely fearing for the safety of his family, Ron decided to take matters into his own hands. He grabbed his gun, a 22 caliber, and stormed out of the house. He climbed into his red and white pickup truck and drove off, presumably to confront the caller. Wow. So the phone rings. Phone rings, Nick. Ron picks up the phone. I'm going to give you the narration version. I'm going to give you the story that I heard. All right. Narration is, it's presumed that he knows who the the letter writer is. They give enough right. of an indication. But here's what's weird. The person on the other end of the phone line had to have said who it was because the kids that's in the house, Mary wasn't there. Mary was on a business trip in another city with guess who? Uh, Please don't say Gordon. Gordon was also there at that trip. Mary, you got to be kidding me, Mary. Here's oh the thing. Let's, before we advance on, <laughs> you get letters saying, hey, I think you're having an affair right now with such and such. Right. Do you then, do you then go to an event away from home for multiple days with said person? Uh, no. No. Ain't I no would- way. I wouldn't want to be talking to them on a corner of a street. No, nope, like, I would not want to be caught dead. But also, what kind of guy is Ron? Ron's like, I yeah. believe you. Yeah, just go ahead and have this soiree in this other city, another state. It's fine. It's fine. 
But the like, kids that, are that at home. That doesn't make sense. Oh, no. No. I left that part out of the narration because it doesn't really fit where we're going. But Mary right. was not at home. She was on a business trip. The kids are at home. I think there's mm-hmm. multiple kids. And I think the youngest one is like either preteen or right at teen. They're young. Okay. Ron, according to the kids, said, who is this? Which means he did not know who the caller originally was. Right. The caller would have had to have said, I'm such and such. And either said he's watching the house right then and there, or something of that equivalent. But again, you got to remember, there's no cell phones. Right. Well, if he's watching the house, why did the guy jump in his pickup truck? To go confront the guy. Well, if he's watching the house, he should just run over. Right? But that's the thing. No cell phones. That means the guy had left the house oh, and went to I a payphone at a minimum. Right, right. So or my guess is... or something. Well, and I'm speculating this part, Nick, because I don't know. Yeah. I'm speculating. Hey, Ron, what's your such-and-such wife doing out of town with... With Gordon, huh? You letting her do that kind of thing, Ron? You are such a wimp, Ron. Listen, yeah. I've been watching your house. It's just you and the kids. You missed your mom now. Like, I can only assume that's what's going on. And then Ron's like, who's this? And he goes, this is such and such. And I've right. been watching your house. Where you at, big boy? Where you at? I'm putting the big boy part in because I don't think they said right, that right. kind of stuff back then. He might that's have. what I would say. Hmm. And he goes... Because think, it's Circleville. There's not a lot of places. There's right. not a lot of places. There's got to be only, I bet there wasn't four or five probably toll booths back then. Right. So my assumption is he probably heard something that indicated where this person was. He went and right. got his gun, and now he's going to go confront him. Well, here's another thing to think about. It must mm-hmm. have got him real riled up because the guy's like, I'm watching your house. Your wife's away. He just sped off in his truck. His kids are there. Correct. Like that guy could run back to the house and kidnap the children. Like he's not Correct. thinking. He is. He must not have been wild thinking. Well, I mean, at this point, I forget how many letters they said they ex- assumed that they got because for a while they was getting letters. Right. And was throwing them away. They wouldn't even open the letters. Huh. I wonder if he just assumed it was David and just went to confront him right directly. Because it stopped for a while the first time they did. And then when they started back again, they became more aggressive. Right. But in addition to that, now we have proof that other people in the town also are now getting letters. But not just letters about them. They're saying other things that's going on that is scandalous in town. Mm. So now that's opened up a little bit. And now that's become a thing. This would not be a good town to be in right at this time. This would not be a good town to be in at all, Nick. At all. Yeah, especially if people running around with 22s. Although, I mean, 22 isn't. The funny thing is, Nick, you know, in half the podcasts mm-hmm. I listened to, it was a twenty-five caliber. Yeah. 
the police report, I can tell you, is a 22 caliber, and you're going to know why in the next segment. Later that day, a passerby came across a horrifying scene. I will be speaking with facts based on the police report only here. Ron's truck had crashed into a tree. Inside, Ron was found dead, partially ejected from the truck. Under his body, they found a Harrington and Richardson 22 caliber model 900 revolver, which had eight live rounds and one spent round. Inside the truck, they found one box of 22 caliber Winchester Western Wild Ammo. The details surrounding Ron's death were murky at best. The sheriff ruled it an accident, suggesting that Ron had lost control of his truck and crashed while trying to fire the gun. But many in the town, including the Gillespie family, found this explanation hard to swallow. They believed Ron had been murdered. The lack of clarity and details surrounding the circumstances of Ron's death only added to the mystery and speculation surrounding the case. Was it an accident, as the sheriff claimed, or was there more to the story? Ron's truck was reportedly sent to a junkyard and crushed just days after the incident. This rapid disposal of the vehicle raised suspicions among some individuals as it potentially eliminated crucial evidence that could have been examined to gather more information about the circumstances surrounding his death. The quick disposal of the truck added to the air of mystery and conspiracy surrounding the case. That's a crime scene. Come on. <laughs> it is a uh, crime scene. They're, they're, they're hurting my soul here. They're hurting my the soul. Part, the part that drives me crazy, and I did not add this to the narration, Nick. When they found Ron's body, it was partially ejected from the vehicle. He was not wearing a seatbelt. Okay. They took him to the hospital where obviously mm -hmm. he was pronounced dead. His blood alcohol level was over the legal limit. Really? But here's the weird thing. Mm -hmm. His family said he didn't drink. Interesting. And his kids said he was not drinking that night when he left the house. They found his truck literally like a couple hours after he left. Right. So that's not so enough you time know, for that. Correct. If you're drinking, it's got to get into your blood to get over a legal limit. That's not going to happen in the time that it takes him to drive. His truck went off the road 12 foot from the road and hit a tree. Really? So he went off the road and this, he lived there. This was his home. Right. This was his city. He's drove these roads thousands of times. The police said they think he was going off the road trying to sh shoot at somebody. This is a revolver. Right. There's one spent bullet, but by spent, what they mean is the bullet was fired, but the right. round stays in the gun. It's a revolver. Yeah, just the casing. Here's what annoys me. If you are a small town and you're going, this is my narrative, what are you going to do? What would you do, Nick? Like if, if I had heard this and this is what? No, let's say you're the, you're, you're the sheriff that's coming out. Right. And they said, oh, okay. They said, hey, there's one round missing out of this gun. We, he had to have been shooting at someone and went off the road. What are you doing? I, I'm looking for, you know, where the bullet hit. I'm looking for 
return bullets in the vehicle, you know, like. So for the record, they did not find any bullets holes in the truck in or out. Okay. So he, he but you know what I would have done? Fired at the window. What? He could have. But here's the interesting thing to me, Nick. Mm Hmm. If he's right-handed and he's shooting at a car in front of him, right, you're reaching across like this. You can try to shoot left-handed. You're not going to be accurate, right? Yeah. There's only one spent shell or one right. spent bullet. We don't know when that bullet was spent. True. Let's say he was shooting at something in the yard last year. Mm-hmm. He could have fired. You don't have to take that round out then and there. No. No. And people did keep have guns done? loaded back then quite frequently. Oh, for sure. For sure. What they should have done was a powder residue on his hand. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that they when you were talking. They did not do that. So they didn't they even did bother with that. They didn't uh, even bother with it, Nick. That's that's not a new technology. They had that at that time, I'm pretty sure. Correct. They've had that since the 50s that I know of. Right. Hmm. In addition to that, they found the gun underneath his body, which means he was either holding it. Right. Or it was planted underneath him. Because here's the thing. He was partially ejected, Nick. Here's what I find weird. He hit the tree with enough force to partially eject himself. Right. Which means Carry the, the truck gun was with going. Him. Correct. Let's say he didn't have it in his hand. Let's just say he had it near him. Right. A truck's going to go from however fast he was going to zero. That's how you get right. ejected. Yep. Why would the gun be underneath him? Right. Unless he carefully held on to it, cradled underneath of him, flew out the window, clutched that gun, slid on the ground, clutching, protecting that precious gun. He was still in the truck. Oh, I thought he was ejected. Oh, partially ejected. Partially ejected. That means half right. of his body was outside the truck. Yeah. My guess is what happened is truck was going, let's say, 40. Right. 40 to zero. This is a truck. If you drove those trucks back then, the wheels here, mm-hmm. when you come to a stop, you're going to break your lower body in half over that bad boy and probably right. break every part of that dash. My guess is half of his body was sitting on the hood of that truck and the other half was probably still in the truck. Yeah. But that gun is laying underneath him. Right. No, this that is, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, it's not adding up. In addition to that, Mary didn't ask for that truck to be crushed. Right. It was sent to a junkyard. Three days later, they crushed it. Right. I wonder who would have and ordered they said, that. This is an accident. This was just all an accident. Yeah. He was trying to shoot at someone, didn't get him clearly, and then he died. And no one reported it. No one came forward. No. So the picture yeah. that I'm showing you, Nick, is a picture of the truck. And as you can yeah. see... The front of that bad boy, after it hit the tree, it kept rolling. Right. For X amount of feet. Yeah. That, but that's the top of that truck up. is smashed. 
Yeah. The actual, so a lot of people's probably going to say, where'd you get this information from? This is the actual police report. I'll be putting that up also on our Instagram account. So they found the one H and R 22 caliber. They put the serial number and everything on there. I might, I might, right. eh, that gun isn't probably doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so yeah, that's not in circulation anymore. Guaranteed. No, but it was a, a revolver. There was one box of 22 caliber, eight live rounds, one spent. Um, and then also it's all got all the information. If you look, oh, you know what? They did this at 2.51 p.m. Right. But they listed it as a fatal accident. They're not saying it was anything other than the accident. This is actually, and for those of you that's listening, you'll have to kind of listen to our narration here. There's a print-off showing, again, based out of five points. Uh, it shows Ronald Gillespie. It shows he was on a route. As you can see, there was a curve. These X's is mm-hmm. a fence. Okay. So one is the tree that it that it impacted, and then right. it kind of glanced off and kept going. All right. So, again, there's nothing that necessarily strikes me weird. Um, but then, as we go a little bit further down, Nick... Here it's going to show the impacts of where the vehicle was. It was a fatal accident. Um, it's going to show that there's no other rhyme or reason, but it's also going to show his blood alcohol level 0.16 right here. So what what's that comparable to? I think that's like here. I think it's like 0. 0.0 something. That is the legal limit. Like there's a very uh, it's zero tolerance. It's called, but there's a limit. When in doubt, Google it out. We'll be right back. Yeah. All right, Nick. So according to the information, the state of Ohio, the legal limit for DUI on Ohio is 0.08. You know, it's funny. That's exactly what it is here. And it takes about four or five to drink, four or five drinks to get to that. Probably for the the average person. Yeah. Yeah. Or this guy with no tolerance, maybe a little less. When it says 0.8. You will test as legally impaired at the blood alcohol level if you're under 21, 0.10 to 0.12, obviously physically impaired and loss of judgment, speech may be slurred, 0.13 to 0.15. At this point, your blood alcohol level is extremely high. And he's he so was 0.16. This, he's 0.16. So this, according this to the is, police report. This is beyond drunk. Correct. Correct. Wow. Now, in addition to this, Nick, and I've seen this in a couple different spots, I don't know this to be true. Mm-hmm. There's reports that Ron was shot. I could not find that in the coroner's report. Is this the coroner's um, report we're looking at right now? Or is, no, this that's is, traffic crash report. This is traffic. Now, I do have the coroner's report. Uh, let's see. This is from the, the BCI. So this is what they would have gave to Mary. Right. 
Uh, this is from the sheriff's office. As you can see, I've been digging deep on this one, Nick. Deep dive. This is where this is where they gave the the release to Mary. So as you can see, Mary picked this up on December 5th. Mm. They gave her back the pistol, one box of 22 Winchester. Um you know what I didn't see that they gave her back? What's that? He had money on him too. He had like 17 bucks or something on him. Oh, well, I guess that was the She tip. got scammed out 17 bucks. Yeah. Report of investigation when no autopsy or inquiry is necessary. So they uh, gave this to her proving. Yeah. So they, they deemed no op- autopsy was necessary. Correct. I'm sorry. That's so, what I meant. Yeah. So they didn't check really much of anything no which is very interesting nick you got these letters happening mm-hmm. he goes to fight it his body's halfway out the truck guns underneath him he's partially ejected you're telling me those guns back then are so heavy guns nowadays nick are super heavy right you're gonna tell me that that's not going to fly out of that vehicle if it was sitting on his on his waist. And this is me right. speculating. If it's sitting on his waist, that would have been below the steering wheel. If he would have slammed into something and went forward, that gun, mm-hmm. I would assume, would hit underneath in his by his feet. Yeah. Not up and over with him. If he had it in his hand, I'm going to assume he gripped it hard. Right. Even if it would have landed, his hand would have been on it. Nowhere in the police report does it state that. Right. And the other thing that's a little suspicious, too, um, I don't know if you've ever fired a twenty two, but there's little to no recoil whatsoever from that. Yeah, very. So little. with a revolver, if he was firing at someone, I'd expect him to, you know, just pop, pop, pop. Like um, taking a revolver. Shots. Revolver will generally have a little bit more gusto to most of those bullets back then because they did carry yeah. typically a little bit more black powder, but not much. You're right. A twenty two yeah. wouldn't have had a whole lot. No, I, I would think it would be negligible. And you wouldn't Correct. lose control from firing a single shot no matter how much it does. But the single shot is weird. The but single shot is weird. In my opinion, in my opinion, I don't think he ever mm-hmm. shot. Because... Let's say there's a varmint in your backyard, right? Right. Because we're country folk around here, Nick. We're country folk. Mm-hmm. If you shot, let's say you got a possum in your backyard or a raccoon. Right. You shot it. Are you going to take that cartridge out or are you going to leave it in? Uh, I would say that's well, 50-50. Just, some people would take it out. Some would keep it back in. Well, I mean, how I am, I take it all out because you're, you're technically supposed to clean your gun in between every use. And I, and I, and I'm a weird little weird like that, so I would have, but others would. You're, you're supposed to, but you got to remember right. that's one bullet. That's yeah. not nine rounds. That's one round going through oh, the no. chamber. I, I just have my my ritual that I have to do. That's that's how <laughs> we were like, taught this, it. This is what I got to do. Yeah, you got to take care Fair of your enough. guns. But take care I know guns. a lot of people Listen. wouldn't. Listen, boys and girls, if you learned one thing today, take good care of take good care of your gun. Yeah, well, you know, if he had, we wouldn't be wondering about that right now, would we? 
valid. The other thing I don't <laughs> understand, Nick, yeah. the other thing I don't understand, and again, I'm going to pop up. This is basically what the town of Circleville looked like in 1970s. Wow. It, it's an apt name. So, yeah, there's there's literally, I mean, it's a big old circle, Nick. But if you look, there's not a whole lot in Circleville, Ohio. No, there's not a whole lot. There sure isn't. So again, if he's going to confront somebody, he's drove these roads a thousand times. Tens of thousands, probably. Yeah, decides that's the night he's going to drink and he's going to do it in record Olympian timing. The best that I heard somebody say is that he did drink on occasion, but he would never get drunk. But again, even if that's the case, he's at home with his kids. Only him with the kids. Yeah. He's not going to be drinking at home. No. It makes no sense. And he wouldn't leave the house with the kids there and go like on a kegger with his gun. He, he had a destination in mind and he was going to go there and scare someone or what have you. Like, I don't picture him taking a detour, going to the bar or the liquor commission or whatever you have, um, slamming back six to eight drinks, getting back on the road and crashing just like that. No. Uh, There's more to the story. I don't know what it is, Nick. At this point, I don't know where it's where, what it is, but there's more to the story based on what it is. And the sad part is we'll never know because here's the thing. Who's to say there wasn't a bullet hole in that truck, but it was crushed three days later and no one could get any kind of proof of it. So if you're watching, if you're listening, you can't see this, but Bert's put a bunch of um, envelopes up on the screen and I want to point out that they're still sloped left-handed style. Every one of them. That is true. And And again, if you're not not following us on Instagram, you got to go check out our Instagram. I'm going to put all this up on our Instagram, all the letters, the photos, the (laughs) non-autopsy, the police reports. I'm going to put that all on. Cause again, if you don't know this story, it, we haven't even got to the crazy stuff yet, Nick. Ah, this is already crazy. This is already crazy. (laughs) I've got so many, so many theories and questions in my mind, but but I'm going to let you continue here. While the Circleville letters case primarily revolves around the anonymous threatening letters and the ensuing events, there have been some conspiracy theories linked to the death of Ron. Here are a couple of conspiracy theories related to Ron's death. Some theories suggest that he might have been murdered in connection to the letter-writing campaign or due to personal reasons. These theories often question the circumstances surrounding the crash and raise doubts about the official explanation. Another theory speculates that the person behind the Circleville letters might have been involved in Ron's death. This theory suggests that the letter-writer might have had a personal vendetta against Ron and orchestrated his death in a way that would appear to be an accident. Similar to the conspiracy theories surrounding the Circleville police, there are theories that suggest authorities might have covered up certain aspects of Ron's death. These theories raise questions about the investigation, the handling of evidence, and any potential motives for concealing the truth. 
Some theories propose that Ron might have been getting too close to uncovering the identity of the letter writer. According to this theory, he might have inadvertently stumbled upon important information that led to his death as an act of retaliation. Ron's death occurred during a period of high tension and fear in Circleville due to the letters. Some theories speculate that his death might have been linked to local feuds or conflicts that were exacerbated by the ongoing letter writing campaign. So I didn't want to give you the other theories, Nick, until we discussed our theories on this. Right, right. Which I think we circled around. The first theory and the second theory seem to be identical to me. Very close, yes. But what I want to ask you, because I've really got no idea about this. This mm-hmm. is where I'm, I'm having a hard time making a connection. Who would have been powerful enough to initiate a cover-up and has been introduced to us so far? Nobody. So, and maybe this is coming up, but why would they want to? If, if there are people covering it up, what's their motivation? That's the thing, Nick. At this point, now obviously the narration's going piece by piece. At this right. point in time, though, everyone in Circleville is getting letters. Darn near. Right. But they're getting letters about Mary. They're getting letters about Ron. They're getting letters about Gordon. They're getting letters about themselves. They're getting letters about their companies. They're getting letters about other conspiracies of what's going Mm. on in the town. The The only logical thing that I can think, the police get this situation that occurs. They, they now know about these letters, obviously. If I'm the police and I go, what they wanted to do was to stop. They wanted to stop this affair between potential affair between Gordon and Mary. Right. Ron died. We don't know how he specifically died. Let's just end it here. Right. The other reason that I stopped it here is because this is going to take another turn here in a minute, Nick. I wanted it to cover the conspiracies. Right. In the narration, I did not include that at this point, after Ron has died, he's passed away, everything's happened. Mary admits to having an affair with Gordon, but she said, not when the letters happen. After the letters happen, and because her and Gordon got so close, and now Ron's out of the picture, she was having an affair then. Right. I'm going to watch my words and I'm going to say bull crap. Bull crap. <laughs> There's no way. That's the and crazy you part. cannot convince me of that. I'll use an old timey word cockamamie story. <laughs> cockamamie stories. That is impossible to believe. And the only way, only way that I would believe that is if Gordon or Mary were writing the letters to themselves to cause a situation where Ron would be put into danger or killed to get him out of the way. That's the only way I would believe these things. 
That's a that's a good hypothesis. Um, that, that's a great guess, hypothesis. That is just one think of the most foolish it. things I've heard. <laughs> think of, think about it this way. Let's say they weren't having an affair. Right. She goes to Gordon. She goes, hey, I got these letters. And Gordon goes, I know. I got some, too. This school district got some letters. Mm. And then they start thinking of each other romantically. Just at that point. Yeah. They've known each other all this time. Yeah. But that's the conduit that gets them into the point of wanting to, you know, do the old, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, Gordon, I got this letter saying we're having an affair. <laughs> we're definitely not. But now that you think of it, maybe we should. <laughs> no. That's Foolishness. what I'm saying. Foolishness. It's so, it's so dumb. It's so clearly here's I wish Mary would have just said, you know what? You caught me. But what Mary supposedly the reason that Mary said this was because mm-hmm. she was like, maybe if we just admit that now we're technically having an affair, the letter writer will leave us alone. Seems unlikely. Unless but if them. I'm the letter writer, I'm now going right. to be ticked off because I'm like, yeah. do you think I'm stupid? Yeah. Just the same yeah. way me and you looked at each other and was like, really? Yeah. Come on. Really? Come on, Mary. Come on, Gordon. If we hadn't just talked about Ron perishing, I might have said, that is the most trusting, innocent, precious child that ever <laughs> lived to believe any of this stuff. At best, at best, you're going to be questioning everything. And here's the thing. If I'm Ron Mm -hmm. and my wife is out of town with Gordon and I'm having second thoughts and there is some liquor at the house. Am I drinking? Maybe at the house. That's what I'm saying. There's so many left turns. I know. know. But also, I can't believe that it just so happened to be at the annual bus driver and superintendent ball going on in another city. (laughs) I know. Because I know know. those have got to be a thing. The superintendents get together and meet with the bus drivers every year for a long weekend in Vegas. (laughs) The only thing I can think is that it was something to do with the school. Because the indications was that apparently a lot of people went to this. Right. But that doesn't mean that two people didn't share a hotel room. Right. Or or it was some unrelated event and they just went. Could be too. Or there's but no event She was definitely at all. out of town. She was definitely right. out of town and so was Gordon. Yeah, they could have just took off. Could have. Yeah. Like, I, I can't imagine... What brings together bus drivers and superintendents? I couldn't even remotely assume. If any bus drivers or superintendents are listening, tell me about your annual ball. Yeah, you got a gala? One of the balls and galas? Yeah. like special event? Don't bring your husbands. Don't bring your wives. It's only superintendents (laughs) and bus drivers. Leave them kids at home now with the spouse. Leave those kids at home. Um, You know. No significant others allowed. Now, this thing, Nick, is about to blow your mind. It's about to take a whole new spin. All right. 
and I can't wait. Here we go. So you know, this is a really drawn out story. Obviously, you can see. Look at the time frame. You guys have been watching this forever or listening. Huh. If you're listening, Nick, they've been listening forever. They need a week break, maybe. You need a week break. Listen, this is a lot of story. We don't want to screw it up. We don't want to tighten the story up because, trust me, week two, it gets even crazier. I wish I oh, could yeah. say you've hit the pinnacle. You've not. You're not, you're not even close. No. Nick and I have obviously done this entire podcast. We're coming to you from the future. Future That's world. Right. But that said... We're going to continue the story in week two. There's a lot more to it. Thank you so much for stopping by this week. Listen, it's because of all of you viewers and listeners out there. You truly made this podcast an ex for me anyway. I can't speak for Nick for me, an amazing experience. (laughs) And I can't thank you enough for that. Oh yeah, me too. We will see you definitely week two, but you got to see week two. It's even better. But until then, goodbye. Bye. Bye.